Welcome to Halo Drop. I'm your host, Vishal Gurbukshani. I'm joined by Snil Verma and Krishna Subramanian. We're going to talk about what makes things exciting in India and how we can bring that in cross-border to America. Hey, welcome to Halo Drop. We recently had the pleasure of sitting down and talking to our great friend, Vishal Gondal, streamed live on Clubhouse. If you weren't able to make it to the live stream, we brought it to the show for you here. Please enjoy this podcast. One of the things actually I just resonated really well with because uh, you learned to program using kind of an IBM PC XT back in the 80s. Um, that's actually how I got into involved with computers as well. Uh, eventually, this hobby became, uh, he turned this hobby into a business. Uh, he started off by making games for corporations. And one of your first clients was Pepsi. I'd uh, love to understand kind of how you thought about that, how you found that client and, you know, you developed something that helped people shoot Coke cans, which makes sense for, for your Pepsi. Uh, then in 1999, when you were just 16, you basically founded your second entrepreneurial adventure called India Games uh, with a team of five friends. Uh, India Games was a company that developed games for wireless console and online gaming platforms, and you worked with the top game publishers. Uh, then, of course, you did this amazing strategy where you kind of partnered with Activision, Marvel, and you developed and distributed a game based on Spider-Man. Uh, which was very novel at the time and, quite frankly, completely risky, right? You just kind of flew all the way into New York and, you know, asked for the licensing. Then the bubble burst in 2000. Uh, most companies kind of just went, you know, to by the side. And again, 2001, when no one was even thinking about mobile phones, you then took another big, big kind of stamp, you know, leap of faith. And uh, you went in and kind of basically took and pivoted the entire company into mobile. Um, and that, of course, big change and turned out to be one of the biggest things that you could ever hope have hoped for. And by 2005, India Games was the largest and most important gaming developer in India. Uh, you controlled over 60% of all value-added services in the market, uh, which is phenomenal. Later in that same year, you made an announcement that you basically sold the majority of stake in the company to Tom Online Games. And then 2011, India Games was basically acquired fully by Disney for $100 million, which was just exciting, right? Because now you basically have this amazing win. And of course, that wasn't enough, right? Uh, you kind of basically wanted to start a kind of a fund, um, and then you basically launched a really cool name, Sweat and Blood Venture Group. I know Christian Sunil can really uh, resonate with that. Um, and you wanted to basically invest in the sea level and really help start off investing all basically to help build out youth and entrepreneurship in India. Uh, you've done everything from gaming to blogging to documents to everything from like things in London as well. And then as you were going through this process, you realized that you know health was something that's pivotal to your life. And then you essentially took the, all the things you learned from gaming with the basis, with Fitbit, and then you basically launched Goji with three big things. One is how do you create sustained engagement? How do you create good reinforcement? And how do you have constant motivation? You basically helped encourage people to basically use and think about health as a being one of the biggest things they should be thinking about with the goal of how do you hit a billion users on Goji? So with that, really wanted to be excited to welcome you to the Halo Drop show. No, no, exciting to be here. I think only one correction. I started programming at 16. I think I raised venture capital when I was 20, 19 or 20. So yeah, about two, three years off. <laughs> no problem. Go for it, Krishna. Let's, let's start this off. Sure. Uh, with, you, you know, it's, it's been a while since we've been, uh, since we've connected. Would, would love to see now that you're, you've been, you know, hunkered down in, in one place. Um, how are things going? What are you up to? What, what's top of mind? So I think clearly, right, COVID has accelerated the thought process of health for everybody in the world. I don't think so. There's a single human who has not thought about immunity and who had not thought about uh, how can they figure out a way to prevent getting ill. And that's exactly what I was been doing for the last six years of my life with Goki. The idea of preventive healthcare, the idea of using uh, motivation, the idea of using gaming to motivate people. 
So what happened is in the last uh, 12 months, our business has massively grown. We have recorded, you know, 250% revenue growth. And the reason is very simple because we were possibly the only company in India, especially who were ready with solutions. So that is exactly what our entire thesis was of remote management, remote care, data, you know, helping people build their immunity. So what really happened is this was our time to shine and my team and all of us stepped up on the plate and uh, we created some very innovative solutions. Uh, we created a first wearable device which had integration of uh, oxygen sensor, SpO2, blood pressure, heart rate, and we even got this certified from the Indian FDA. So I think we have done more innovation in the last six months than what we did in the last six years combined, both on a product perspective, on the business model perspective, and also how everybody worked. Everybody was working remotely, and it was amazing to see how products were built and shipped uh, during this time. Yeah. Um, so in terms of your upbringing, you know, how did you know not only coding on the on the IBM, but also you know, the other influences really get you curious about, you know, just programming in general, as well as, um, you know, just gaming. And, and how did you sort of end up in the in the gaming realm? As a kid, I was interested in two major activities. One was playing games. And I used to play games like volleyball. Uh, I was a sportsman and making games because my actually even before the PCXT, my first computer actually was the Sinclair ZX Spectrum. Uh, which you did the Z80 processor and you could program in GW basic on that. So I literally started from there. And this was the time when there were no, no video, no YouTube. You had to self-learn. And I have pretty much self-learned everything in my life. I think the only joke I say is that I did the most expensive MBA by running a venture capital-backed company, you know, that was really my most expensive lesson in business. Another place where I really learned a lot about uh, life was in the world of sport. You know, especially in India, our system is all designed around, you know, topping your exams, scoring high marks, you know, uh, you know, the whole system is really working on uh, this whole uh, assumption that if you don't study, if you don't, uh, you are not going to do well in life. And I was the complete opposite of it. I really didn't spend too much time in studying. I barely, you know, passed my 10th standard. And of course, I didn't even clear my college. So that gave me a lot of time to actually spend uh, in my hobby, which was creating games and making games. And uh, I was also lucky that uh, the Pepsi story, which you were talking about, actually the Pepsi office is very close to my house. And I used to see that every day. So there was this whole rivalry between Pepsi and Coke. And there were these TV ads and billboards of them taking shots at each other. So when I created this game, I was like, how the hell do I sell this game? So I literally took a computer in an auto rickshaw went to Pepsi's office and I went in their reception and I said, I want to meet your marketing head and show him this game. And they were like, they don't know who this kid was. I was in actually shorts and t-shirts. And finally, after a few hours, there was this guy who came and like, you know, let's meet this kid and what he has to show. And I showed him this game and his eyes lit up because, you know, this is exactly what he wanted. And before anything could happen, he called his HR head and everybody else and said, this is what every employee of Pepsi should have on their desk. Because whenever you were upset with Coke, they wanted you to you know, shoot at Coke. 
and that actually ended up becoming one of my biggest you know at that time they paid me in india 5 lakhs which is close to say 5000 that was a significant amount for a college student to earn so that's literally how i learned sales you know by just going and presenting and turning up to all these companies that's amazing um i think one thing is very clear i mean your passion about gaming Growing up, like, was there something? Because you know, if you think about so many different things, there's some people playing cricket, some people are just you know into more what people do during college. Like, is there some? Is there a defining moment that made you really go, "Wow!" Like, this was the game. This is why gaming is meant for me. Was there a game that you just loved? Was it something that your parents did? Like, what what was the one thing that made you get into gaming? See, I think you know, once you start learning how to code, the first set of things you do with coding is you play games because as a kid. you are not going to create spreadsheets and you know complex business programs and all of that right so i think the the first little program you do is games and i had created you know we could do i did pacman clone tic tac clone so there were you literally cloned all these games and then you got excited about it and then eventually one thing led to another and then i got introduced to this amazing software i don't even know if people remember it it was called micromedia director uh, this was actually predating flash so i started using director uh, and started coding in lingo that was the language they used and so i was like you know it was it was really fascinating i learned 3d studio i learned maya i learned max so i was completely fascinated in the world of computer graphics and design and coding so i i self learned myself in fact at one point of time i used to run the macro media user group in india so i was one of the the key macro media leaders and uh, i also started a computer training institute even before india game so in that institute i used to train people in multimedia in fact that time it was not animation the whole thing was multimedia and uh, dtp desktop publishing this is those times when page maker ventura the whole advent of how computers can be used for printing you know this whole concept itself was like so revolutionary that you can now create documents and posters and business cards can be designed on computer so this is really that time and uh, you know being a tinkerer and you know i really loved the gaming as a kid i mean that's even today if you see a lot of kids in fact they are now playing esports as we say uh, so there were no esports there but uh, that's how i spent uh, and enjoyed a lot of my time so it was it was a hobby it was just fun You brought back memories when you um when you mentioned PageMaker. I haven't heard that in a, in a while. Word star, word star. <laughs> word star. <laughs> There you go. Can you maybe walk us through some of your your learning lessons during India Games? Um, how you thought about hiring, and and maybe even touch a little bit about um how you got funding. Uh, you know when the the folks from PwC showed up and um saw you in a T-shirt and shorts and. So very frankly, right. you know imagine i'm talking about 1999 98 99 when the word venture capital itself was new in the world and in india this was not even a word anybody had heard of venture capitalists did not exist in 1998 i had created this game during the kargil war when india had the whole skirmish with pakistan it was called i love india it was a game uh, which i had coded where you could play the indian soldier and fight pakistani you know terrorists but the best part of the game was it was you could never lose whatever happened at the end of the day the game ended by saying india has won so that was the funny part of the game that game went viral this was the early days again and you know uh, that time cnn spoke about it bbc spoke about it and that kind of got me into 
thinking about creating a business where we would focus on gaming related to Indian themes. So Cargill game was really the starting point of that. And that's how, you know, suddenly, you know, there was a lot of stories about gaming and all of that. And that's how the PwC folks uh, came and met me. And very frankly, I'd never heard of PwC. I mean, how would I know about PwC? And they were like, I thought they were a water supply company. And I was like, listen, and then they told me, no, 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 we are an investment bank. And I said, listen, I don't know what an investment bank is. I just know that there are bankers and you get a loan and I don't want a loan. So in India, you know, there is this whole taboo even now that, you know, your parents will tell you loan. You should never have a loan on your head. Of course, U.S. is a very different story with with loans. But in India, it's even still not considered. So I was like, I don't need a loan. I'm doing well. I'm fine. And then they finally told me what is venture capital. And they told me venture capital is like a loan which you don't have to return. And I was like, wow, no, that sounds interesting, right? I can I can do that because my father had told me don't take a loan. So I told him that this is a loan which I don't have to return. And I was like, wow, you know, I mean, so be it. And then PwC even told me that they are going to do this for a success fees. It means I only have to pay them if they bring me the money. I was like, wow, that's even better. So let's do it. And that was the first time I heard about a business plan. And it was amazing, you know, what I figured out what business plan was. So the PwC guys basically told me it's nothing. It's an Excel sheet which they are going to make. I have to just give them some inputs. And they asked me and they created this entire world of fantasy. I mean, I had no idea what it was. The only thing I remember was they created this sheet where if you clicked on one cell, it opened another sheet and the other one opened another sheet and it went into five layers. And they were so excited. They were like, this is a plan. And they said, what they told me is the more layers it goes into, the more excited investors get. And I was like, okay. And they told me to say a bunch of things uh, when we go to investor pitches. And that's it. You know, I mean, uh, I was here making investor pitches and I spent most of my time giving them game demos that this is the game I made and this is the game and all of that. And then when the time of business discussion came in, the PwC guys were like, yeah, this is the projection. This is what is going to happen. And that time, the word which was really used was eyeballs. You know, eyeballs was really the, the buzzword, right? How many eyeballs can you get? And we were like millions and millions of eyeballs and, you know, everything else. Our initial goal was to raise two crores. So two crores is at that point of time, let's think about it's what, $150,000, a little over $250,000. But we ended up raising three and a half crores, almost half a million. In, and in Indian context, that money, if you just kind of just to give you a context, it's like $10 million today. Okay. So imagine this 21-year-old kid who knows nothing. I make a bunch of presentations and between the first week we have uh, not one, but two investors saying that we want to write you a check in uh, three and a half crores. And I did not know what a term sheet was. I, I did not even know what stock was, very frankly. And I was like, wow. You know, so they are like, they are, so I, my only question was, you're going to give me this money and I don't have to give it back to you. They were like, yeah, you don't have to give it back to me. In fact, you're going to grow it. So to cut a long story short, I went to a bowling alley. There's a, there's a new bowling alley opened up. And there I saw a college friend of mine who was bowling. And I asked him, what does he do? And he told me he's a lawyer. So I said, you are hired. I'm supposed to do this term sheet and whatever. And I'm going to get this money and you have to help me. And the funny part is, you know, it is said when you don't know too much, you do a lot of things which are right. And that's exactly what happened with me. I did not know what valuation was. So the way the valuation was made was one investor said, I need 
one investor said i need 30% they were putting a little lesser amount of money so that's how the investors got 65% stake i got 25% and 10% was kept as stock option so it was a very simple thing i said like my only question to them was i don't have to return this money to you and they like in no i said great so it was the easiest negotiation to ever have because i had no idea what it was actually that was on the hindsight the best decision because we were literally the last or the second last deal done before the bust so had we spent a lot more time in trying to negotiate and trying to say no i need this valuation or that valuation things would have been very different so you know before anything else you know i was i was ended up with all this cash in the bank and then of course all the classic mistakes of making a business plan hiring a ceo from a top company uh so you know we we actually the company by the way bought two cars because the ceo we hired came from a large company and he said listen i can't join if you don't give me a car and the new car that time launched in india was a honda city so the vc said no no we have to give him a honda city he's this big guy and then they said if he has a honda city how can you don't not have a honda city so imagine the startup the first major purchase we make is we buy two cars one for the founder and one for the ceo who was hired and you know we got a fancy office i mean we basically blew up all the money in a matter of a year and uh, we were literally you know when the dot com bust happened uh, we were literally left with 10000 dollars in the bank so it, it is you know like i said i have made every possible mistake under the sun uh, while running india games you know building building the company um itself how did you how did you sort of find the best talent you know given that you were just starting from scratch again kind of running into issues around affording the best people and whatnot in in 2000 like what were some of the key attributes that you were looking for uh when you hired these folks most people were hired from colleges so they were all freshers because there was no talent i mean we are talking about a time when i mean gaming itself was no industry right so 99% of the people we got were freshers because you know i mean i myself was a fresher and i think what we really looked and we did not hire a single one from iit or one of the top colleges all of them were hired from you know smaller colleges we really looked at and in my case i really looked at how passionate they were were you a gamer that was a big you know if you were a gamer that was a big plus so if you could program and you could play games that was an important criteria for us to hire people rather than anything else so literally it was a, a, and again a lot of my friends you know who were there so it was basically a a bunch of uh, underdogs and what what people will call losers who we got together into the team totally so let's go back. So it's two thousand four, right? You were basically offered to sell your entire stake in indie games. What made you stay, even though you decided you know, investors decided to cash out? That's again the funny thing, right? So in my journey of India games, there's a very interesting thing which people don't know about. I started with twenty five percent stake. I told you how that happened. But imagine that even when we sold the company to Disney, I was almost at that same stake. So I never got diluted. And the simple reason was I did not know this because. every investor who came in actually gave me a top up gave me a top up on the stake it is it was like a crazy thing happening because nobody wanted me to go below a particular percentage and what happened actually the the story of tom online is very interesting so we were actually almost going out of money in 2001 2002 then we took this big bet on mobile gaming and people said we are crazy who's going to play games on mobile phones but 
I was willing to bet every last dollar on the company to do that. And here is a very interesting story. We ended up becoming among the few companies and Nokia, of course, was the king that time in the mobile world. So Nokia literally took two companies. One company is India Games and I'll tell you the history of the other company. The other company was called Sumaya, S-U-M-E-A, from Finland. And the CEO of Sumaya is Ilka. And guess who Ilka now is? Ilka is the CEO of Supercell. So Ilka actually sold Sumaya to a company called Digital Chocolate, and uh, which was Trip Hawkins' mobile games company. And then Ilka started Supercell, and we know Supercell. So literally, these, these were literally the first two companies which was in the world of mobile games. So Ilka and I go back a long time. Then we made good revenue, but my whole take to the company, to our investors and board was, guys, we need to create bigger games, and for that I need titles and brands. And that's how Spider-Man came in. And we basically hustled and did everything possible to convince uh, Marvel to license the rights to a company in Mumbai. I'm sure the people there could not even locate us on a map. Basically, what happened is that because of this whole success of Spider-Man, it became one of the most successful game launches on the mobile world. We went from no revenue or like a few half a million dollars to almost three to four million dollars in revenue. It was insane with very high profitability, right? That was the time Tom Online had listed on NASDAQ and they were doing great. And, you know, the Chinese companies going IPO was like a big thing. That was the time uh, I met the CEO of Tom Online. And uh, they said that, hey, you know, they want to really make a strategic bet into gaming in India. And I was like, okay. And I called my investors and I was like, I was anyway not looking to sell because, you know, I was still enjoying the games. And the investors were like, listen, we want to sell. So I asked them that, what do you want? So jokingly, my board member and early investor, Praveen Bhai, Praveen Gandhi, who, by the way, is now also on my board now in Goki. uh, He told me that, listen, I'll be happy if you can make me 10 times of the money he put in. So I said that he's asked for 10 times, I'll go and ask for 20 times, you know. So I basically told Tom online that, listen, my existing investors are happy to sell if you give them 20 times. And guess what? They came back and said, not 20 times, we'll do it at 16 times. And literally, that is how the deal was done. And before anything could happen, our existing investors, basically the VCs, the 65% was swapped out and for the $350,000 they paid, they got some, like I said, some crazy return. And for me, like I said, and what happened is when they came in, they put more money in the company, but I was getting diluted. So they gave me more stake because they wanted to make sure I'm incentivized. So as far as I'm concerned, nothing changed. It just happened that, that from these two investors, I got the third investor from China, which was kind of uh, what happened. So I really didn't sell. And then the other funny thing happened is that Tom Online soon went through troubled waters because they got delisted from NASDAQ. Now I had to find another set of investors to replace Tom Online. And that's how I met Ronnie. And of course, Ronnie Screwwala is a legend in India with this movie business, entertainment business. And Ronnie came in and bought the Chinese out, uh, Tom Online. And uh, we also then got Cisco and Adobe to invest in us. So it became... Uh, this amazing team of, you know, again, uh, in my case, I still retained the same stake. Just think about it because nobody wanted to dilute me because they were like, no, 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 no. You are already here. And I was like, okay, don't dilute me. 
now we had uh, cisco and this amazing set of companies we created games on bollywood every possible theme and then of course in 2012 as i mentioned disney came in and bought the whole company so i think it was a it was an amazing journey and in my case this was my learning i, I had absolutely no idea about valuation stock uh, liquidation preference i mean all these complex things which people talk about right now in the whole world of uh, startups and venture capital i only knew one thing i knew how to build products so i think that is what i focused on whether it was building games or you know so that was my focus and passion and i think somewhere whether it was spider man game or all the other games i have been able to develop i think it's just because uh, i'm always uh, the guy building product also that that's a great story uh lots of uh amazing learning lessons you know so sort of fast forward after the acquisition and you know maybe around 2014 you come up with another idea um it's in a it's in a different space so maybe tell us about some of the the thought process and the insights um behind um you know what you used to to essentially start goki so what happened is when we sold india games i of course had a non compete with disney so i could not do gaming and uh, while while i was in school i was a national volleyball player fit and athletic but building india games with a diet of primarily pizza and pepsi uh, i used to be a volleyball myself i was 120 kgs extremely obese and unhealthy and all of that and i thought that how difficult is it to get healthy and then is when i realized that it is a big challenge i joined gyms i did uh, exercise routines i bought every possible wearable uh, i used my fitness pal but nothing worked what worked was when i met a coach who used to message me and literally tell me what to do and used to whatsapp me so from being a lazy couch potato from 2011 i started my journey and i have you know since then i did 14 15 half marathons ultra marathons we trekked to everest base camp so i figured out that listen the problem in the business of health and wellness and fitness is not the lack of apps or devices or gyms or diets the fundamental problem is people lack motivation and the other problem is engagement these apps are very boring designed by doctors and clinicians who are not thinking from the con side of a consumer uh, these apps look really ugly and all of that right because this is not designed by, it is always designed thinking in a different person in mind so my idea was and again from the gaming world the console business right we all know that you give a console but you don't make money playing the console you make money by the games uh, that's how xbox playstation nintendo so i was like i can use the console model on health and the wearable which we created the goki fitness band was the console which we gave everybody so the idea was you are going to use this but that's my console what is really going to happen is that using this you are going to subscribe to all my services and we are going to make it very fun so for example we never called our customers patients or users they are all called players because you are playing the game of goki or game of life and the way we conceptualized goki was as a game right from the get go all our metrics were gaming metrics so we look at dau arpu abdao engagement these were not terms which uh, you know health apps forget about you know other apps even health apps didn't use the gaming kind of metrics and the third thing which we did is we modeled our entire business around making money 
after a consumer comes in which is engagement led which is what the mmorpg business or you know all the gaming businesses are that you are making money while what was happening is people like fitbit they were hardware sellers right so they were giving you one box and then their idea was to sell you the other and the third and the fourth so none of these guys really understand engagement or they were just like i said in the retail box businesses so we were in the saas business of health so that was the idea and people thought we were crazy because you know again 2014 uh, looking at a subscription service on top of a health wearable and today you know i was so happy last month we actually not happy we were laughing when apple announced apple fit of the app apple device with fitness services or peloton or amazon doing this and fitbit getting into all of this so we had seen this and me and my team have been working on this whole idea of connected healthcare and services way back and the best part is we are far ahead of everybody else because while people are still thinking of these services what we have done in goki is integrated this into insurance already so in india we've got regulatory approval uh, just last year to launch products which are dynamically priced so imagine that you are going to be wearing a goki device with our health service and depending on how healthy you are that's the premium which will be charged to you and we now have regulatory approval to do that so i know apple and google want to get there at some point of time but they just can't do it because a they have several restrictions on data usage and we know the challenges of privacy and data with all these large companies but with us i already have underwriting models right now running with goki and insurance companies so we are we are completely in a different trajectory right now that's amazing. I think what's what's really exciting is both India Games and Goki are are really built for scale, right? And I think understanding sort of the mindset or just how you are approaching those opportunities with a lens towards growth and scale and and ultimately, you know, what is your vision for uh, Goki's user base number? I mean, you guys have some of the most amazing spokespeople. Um, you know, almost all of my family wears Goki wearables in India. That's kind of where they track pretty much everything and it is pretty prolific at this point. So how how are you thinking about, you know, just the ideas itself, thinking about skill, and then how are you thinking about sort of the growth for Goki itself? We are going to be India's biggest healthcare and insurance company, period. Because healthcare is classified wrongly. I think the current healthcare model is actually a sick care model. It is not a healthcare model. And it is full of conflicts. the pharmaceutical business the healthcare industry they profit not from keeping you healthy they profit from giving you treatments and medicine and operations so it doesn't conflict with the consumer so if you think of the healthcare industry as 10 users the preventive healthcare business which i am in where i want to keep people healthy that's 10 times bigger than the healthcare industry because these are people who have not yet fallen sick and from an indian context just to give you the numbers on the back of the envelope our vision is that we will make 130 that is 1.3 billion people healthier but from a customer point of view i am targeting 500 million customers in india and the simple reason is that these are 500 million customers who use smartphones so my idea is that anybody who uses a smartphone today has the capability to share health data like how much they are walking and these phones are already getting very sophisticated and the minute you combine the phone with a decent wearable i can now get biometric information which can be used for underwriting now today india is a country with massive underpenetration of insurance 
because insurance is very expensive because insurance companies don't know what is your risk so they are assuming that every person is going to get sick and every person is going to claim thousands of rupees or lakhs of rupees which is why the premium is very high but my goal is that if i can use my data and segment these users and create a cohort of users where i can tell insurance companies very easily that these are people with low risk they can go with very low insurance premium or even free you don't even need to charge them a premium because these are people who are walking 10000 steps every day who are exercising eating healthy so these are very low risk and i also have a way to segment my users who are high risk so that they can make interventions earlier the healthcare model is waiting for people to fall sick i can see and say hey you know based on the data of sunil i can see that he's already having a heart rate variability there's a very high you know challenge around that so we can make interventions earlier so i think the ideal world is where you are creating positive reinforcement and incentivization on living healthier neither incentivizing the opposite of it which is falling sick and then getting treated so i think we have a f- amazing opportunity to build what is going to truly transform the world of healthcare well that's that's amazing and and i think as you know mentioned like all, all my family also wears all your devices and then the services and super excited about the vision if we kind of then switch basically going back to the other part of what you i think you're very passionate about is really just basically helping other entrepreneurs scale and how do you basically start building that ecosystem in india and one of the interviews i saw i basically heard you say that you know you still don't like traditional angel and venture investing you said you believe the model is broken can you really expand on kind of why do you feel traditional venture and angel investing is broken and what do you think people should be doing differently you know first of all the reason for me investing in companies is very simple you know i had to pay it forward my point is when i was 21 and 20 somebody i was was stupid enough to come and fund me right right now the model by the way in india has evolved a lot there was a time when the number of angels were very very less in india and i am talking about say 5 6 7 years back today you throw a stone and you're going to hit an angel investor and if you throw two stones you may actually hit uh, you know some major private equity investor so right now the scenario in india is much different there's a ton of early stage capital there's a ton of late stage capital the problem now lies in the middle you know where companies who are not yet uh, yet there so i think the model on funding in india and the whole uh, uh, angel and venture capital scene is massively evolved in india and like i said my theory about it is is basically just helping people so i invest in companies where i can personally add value and of course you know i need to connect with the entrepreneur and that's how i do deals it's nothing to do with industry or you know which market and which that i mean you need to just back smart people so i i call it it's more like talent scouting right when you are investing in an early stage you really don't know what the business will evolve into got it and then that that's you know definitely really helpful maybe walk us through um you know what happened with uh, retation oyo um you know we heard <laughs> uh we heard it could have been worth you know over a billion dollars um if you had invested see that's exactly you know uh, one of my points right that ritesh is such a genius man he's like so i remember meeting him you know maybe when he was 18 19 and you know he created this plan which showed revenues of 1800 crores which is like you know whatever 200 million dollars or 300 million dollars in 3 or 4 years and here is a 19 year old coming and showing you a plan of that kind of revenue and i don't know about 
silicon valley but you know i was like you know i don't know i mean i have not seen such plans in my life and that too you know for an 18 19 year old to talk about this sounded really absurd and i think i did the classic mistake of standing being on the fence and i was offered like a 25% stake right it was not even a small stake for a very small amount and i think on the hindsight had he projected those revenues a little lower i may have invested in them <laughs> you know so i think you know that's what happens like we all have stories but this is the most crazy story of uh, of ritesh but and all i can tell you is he actually beat that revenue he's not only you know he's done more revenue more than 300 million so actually if you look at and maybe a couple of years here and there but he's one of those guys who came up with this number and i think he's beaten him and no wonder softbank and everybody loves him because i'm sure he's going to continue to beat them and he's just 25 even now so i mean it's amazing what he's done no no definitely it's super exciting you know i think one one thing that's uh, uh we talk about on the podcast quite a bit is you know also reflecting on on kind of what happens um on a regular basis and i think because of covid and a lot of the other sort of world events that have happened you know many of us have have lost someone that we know you know i know um you know unfortunately samir passed away who was the india games uh ceo uh, recently how did that sort of make you think about sort of your own work and just reflect on you know kind of how you were spending your time well i think samir's passing was extremely extremely sad and you know his son and by the way my son are best friends in fact his son was out at my place because we are neighbors by the way you know samir and i you know his, his family just lives clearly it is something you're not prepared for because it is untimely you know one fine day uh, you just and actually it's a it's a crazy story i was i think it was a sunday morning if i'm not mistaken and i got a call from vijay shekhar you know vijay from ptm and he told me that hey this is what has happened you know samir has lost his life in a car, bike accident and i was like what are you talking about and that's when actually my son called samir's son and that's when we realized what had happened so it was extremely traumatic and extremely sad and i think uh, you know there are just no words to define and i think that kind of shows that you know while we make all these amazing plans in the world and what all we do i think at the end of the day you don't know what is going to happen tomorrow and i think it's it's about cherishing your time today and i think uh, in my case clearly i think you know living in the present moment and enjoying the present is really what i've i've started doing a lot more and of course covid gave me a time to spend a lot with the kids and the family and everything else but i think uh, you know what happened with samir is i just don't have words to describe it it's 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 really really sad well yeah i know thanks for sharing that and um didn't realize how close he was to you and especially to your sons but it, it, i think what you just said is spot on it's how do you live in the now given all the different devices and notifications we all have um so is this basically our last question before we get into the rapid fire and the last question basically have is just really walk us through kind of your passion of being an adventurer right you've done some amazing adventures base camp in nepal you've done the the world's first and largest burning man right in india which is kumela right which is <laughs> predates everything um i think there's a million people that come together um walk us through some of you know your adventure mindset and, and what that a helps you do and how what, what's next on your list so i think more than the adventure mindset i think that you know for you to upgrade yourself for you to grow you can do three things invest in your mind which is learning listening to podcasts videos books so that's how you can feed your mind the second is how do you feed your 
experience and experience happens when you do things you have not done before or when you meet people who are smarter than you i mean the reason i come to ted every year and i've been doing that now for god knows how many years is because i meet such amazing people like you you know you are so intelligent so smart and in ted every second person is a nobel laureate and a phd and nuclear scientist and changing the world and all of that right so i think travel and adventure gives you that growth which you can't do and i think as entrepreneurs we are all very very lonely uh, because we, we don't have too many people we can learn from in our own immediate circles but what we learn from is doing things which challenge us like everest base camp you know if i can do everest base camp i can do everything anything right so i think it's about challenging yourself to things but finally i mean i want to just kind of end this by saying that the ultimate challenge actually is not everest base camp it's not burning man or kumbh mela the ultimate challenge is how do you control your mind so for the last several months and years i've been focusing on meditation and you know all kinds of uh, tools and techniques to to calm the mind and i would say that everything else we can do but i think that is the single most difficult and single most important and meaningful thing to do so in fact uh, i just came back on uh, saturday from an amazing journey from a spiritual journey to the ashram of neem karoli baba and i don't know if you remember neem karoli baba he is the man where larry brilliant uh, you know ramdas zuckerberg steve jobs so it's amazing right i mean there is something there and i think india is lucky to have been the land of mystics and uh, you know i also recently met shri shri ravi shankar and a lot of spiritual gurus in india and i would say that there is a lot to learn from spirituality and people out there i'm sure you must have read a million books on entrepreneurships motivation business if there is one book you all must read is the bhagavad gita and it is not a religious book it is a book i have learned more about life business health food everything i mean it is it's the ultimate motivational book it's the ultimate guide to everything it's like if humans were born with a with a manual of how do you what do you do in life uh, it is the bhagavad gita and uh, you know i would urge if if you have not read it and there are million versions of it simplified difficult any version you have to read that one book amazing it's definitely on my list so as we as we look to to close out the the interview we uh this is one of our favorite parts um where we do a a rapid fire and just ask ask a bunch of questions in a in a short period of time um to kick things off you know what's one thing you wish you had known when you began your career what is a stock i had no idea for the longest time what stock was that's awesome yeah and i think i think uh you know when folks think about Uh, sort of some of the most important ideas, um, you know, of the last sort of 200 years, right? The idea of a stock is actually one of the most important ones out there, along with kind of being able to, you know, have a corporation as an entity. But what is your biggest failure and what did you learn from it? I don't consider anything as my failure because everything which I think I've failed in has ultimately ended up becoming one of the biggest reasons why I've succeeded in doing something else. so i don't see things as uh, failures i just think of them as learnings and you know things from which i have learned amazing what advice would you give someone you you're talking to your 16 year old self 
what would you tell them to do right now? If it wasn't, if it's not health and fitness, if it's not gaming, what, what would you tell them to do? Invest in yourself. I think what happens is when we are younger, we always want external validation. We are always trying to do things for others and we think we are bulletproof. But I think investing in yourself is an important thing. And whether it is uh, through experiences, education, uh, youngsters are all unfortunately getting trapped with, uh, with TikTok and YouTube and all these other things. And the attention span is becoming so low. So I would say invest in yourself and not let other products and services exploit your laziness and attention. Nice. <laughs> who are three people who have been the most influential to you? So I would say that, you know, of course, uh, my dad has been, you know, a big source of inspiration and he kind of pushed me to get where I am. But I also am very impressed with Elon Musk and not because of, you know, all the stuff he has done because of, you know, the, the talk he gave at TED and when he said that his single biggest thing in life is to make humans an intergalactic species. I mean, if a man with that kind of vision, I mean, whatever he's doing with Tesla and SpaceX and all that is just nothing, right? I mean, I think he's on to something really big. So Elon Musk is really amazing. And the third person who I am actually quite inspired with now, and I've been spending a lot of time studying about him, is Krishna. Not our Krishna here, but Sri Krishna, who spoke about the Bhagavad Gita and the lessons. And I think there is a lot of uh, lessons in what Krishna has to say in all his uh, writings and all his stories. So I'm trying to learn a lot about uh, Krishna. That's great. I think we we can all learn good stuff from Krishna. You know, outside looking in, um, you know, folks that haven't been entrepreneurs before or have never really, um, you know, had to run a company from start to, you know, exit, there's always common myths um, about the profession. What do you think is one common myth that you would like everyone to know that, hey, that this is not true? I think one very common thing is in which I keep, you know, which is my favorite quote is that always have more confidence than capability. The problem with a lot of people is they have a lot of capability, but they just don't have the confidence to take, make that move, to take that plunge in whatever they do. And I think that's really what differentiates between you and the entrepreneur. It is taking that move, taking that jump, taking that call. And I think if people start realizing that the risk of Actually, not doing it is a bigger risk. People believe that the easy way is to follow the norm. It's actually more risky to do what everybody else is doing. The minute you take a path which is less walked, your chances of success is that much more higher. That's, uh, that's amazing. Um, we have two more questions left. So thanks, thanks again for your time, Vishal. This is a fun one. Uh, what do you spend a silly amount of money on right now? Right now, uh, I'm spending a silly amount of money on coffee. I love coffee. And uh, my, my coffee is, uh, so I, I, I do the bulletproof coffee, by the way, not this one. So didn't, didn't you, <laughs> you, uh, you actually took like almost a, a case full of the butter from, uh, from somewhere outside, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The Kerry gold butter. So I, I love coffee. I've got a coffee machine and I've got a lot of accessories around coffee. The other thing I do is I do crazy things. Like for example, uh, last year I decided to do two things. One is do a headstand unassisted. So I train and I did, I, I did courses, online lessons. I got a coach and I can now do a three minute headstand unassisted on any, on any surface. I can do handstand. I still need a little bit support handstand. I'm not yet there. And then I did another thing where I actually, this was actually the most expensive thing really. So I had a bet with my friends, about 30 of them. 
And the bet was that I'm going to get four packs in one year. And they had wagered, uh, I think, approximately about, let's say, in Indian rupees, about eight lakhs, about $10,000. And if I don't do it, I have to pay them 4x. So it was literally, I had to pay $40,000 or to these people back. And luckily, of course, I you can guess I won that. But it was like my whole family was like, you better do this. Otherwise, you'll have to spend so much money. <laughs> That's really awesome. So so last year, I did manage to get four packs. This year, by the way, I've upgraded that four pack to six packs. I don't know. Uh, I have not yet wagered on that. But you guys are welcome to put dollars on it. And, you know, then we can have an interesting bet. So that was another very crazy thing. Had I not got those four packs, I would have easily lost forty, fifty thousand dollars. My goodness. Well, yeah, we'll put some, uh, we'll put some Bitcoin against that. <laughs> <laughs> Bitcoin is another crazy thing. I'll, I'll also get tension, tension looking at how up and down it's doing every day. Hey, it's Krishna. Thanks for listening to Halo Drop. If you got value from this episode, please share it with someone that you think would also enjoy it. For more information, visit our website at halodrop.fm. Mm-hmm.